podcast where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles and Beth's Daughter. And I am on my second coffee today, and I'm just realizing that it's almost empty, so I'm not going to have coffee to drink for most of this recording. <laughs> Oh, that is a shame. A yeah. true shame. Um, we could take a break though if you need to to go and to go get in. Apparently we were both drinking out of our yes. Luke's mugs today. Okay, yeah. let me get to my thing. And I'm Beth, Tessa's mom and also a writer. Tessa and I have been talking about politics, art, and culture pretty much since she could read, and that is not an exaggeration. Sometimes these conversations have taken on a marathon quality, so when Tess moved to Seattle, it occurred to us that we should move our discussions over to the digital world, maybe even into a podcast. The Gilmore seemed like a good place to start because the story resonates with us. I was a single mother of a teenage daughter attending a private school we could not afford, but we also found that the plot lines of the show often touch on topics that Tess and I like to discuss, discuss sorry, such as, ha- such as how women are portrayed in popular culture, family relationships, friendships, music, movie references, and a whole lot more. So here we are, recording from our respective studios in separate cities. Tess is in Seattle, and I am in St. Louis, and I stumbled through that intro because I am not feeling well today. I have a migraine, so I am, even though it's later here in St. Louis than it is in Seattle, I am drinking coffee late in the afternoon because I needed to wake up. Yes, and we are both drinking out of our Luke's Diner mugs. Yes, yes that, that <laughs> Tess, Tess bought us for Christmas. Wish we could do a video. Well, we need to take a picture of us holding our, our holding mugs and, and yeah. post it on the, yeah. <laughs> So I'm also drinking water because I'm not feeling well, so I'm trying to hydrate. So anyway, your turn. Uh, And we now have a Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash where you lead. Every week, we will start off with a synopsis of the episode along with the date it aired before heading into our discussion. Today, we are discussing season one, episode 15, Christopher Returns. It originally aired March 1st. 2001. Christopher, Rory's dad, returns to town, uh, stirring up a whole bunch of emotions and some drama. The town itself immediately becomes obsessed with him because it's a small town and not very much happens. Lorelai's parents have long been obsessed with Christopher. Rory is also kind of obsessed with him. Lorelai is sort of the only one who has uh, deep-seated reservations about Christopher. Realistic, I would say. Yes. Realistic. It's like everybody else has him on a pedestal that yeah. he, in this episode, shows us he doesn't deserve. Yes. And the stories that we've been hearing about him from Lorelai's parents turn out to not be true. And, yep. and I'm not sure if that's because they didn't know any better or because he just 
hasn't been forthcoming, but he's not the success that they have been making him out to be since the beginning of the show. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of sexism happening in, in this episode. I feel like oh, part, yeah. part of what's happening is they just see him as sort of this magical boy who would have fixed everything if Lorelai would have just let him. Uh, and they're totally wrong. <laughs> they're totally wrong. And, and I do have some questions about continuity issues, and we'll get to it. But I was under the impression since the beginning of the season that he did go to Princeton. So yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he went for a bit and dropped out. Yeah, we don't know, but it's but they but it's a complete about face uh, in many ways. And again, as is so often with this show, it feels like oh, that doesn't work for us anymore. We're just going to change it. So we're just going to change it. Yeah, yeah. I also have some other thoughts about him going to Princeton that we can get into when they come up. Um, The other big thing. The first thing. Yeah. The I mean, the other big thing that happens is that the elder Gilmores invite him and his parents to dinner. So we also meet mm. Christopher's parents. The The opening scene uh, starts with Rory making up a bed for Christopher on the couch. This kind of sets us up for what's happening, the, the, the kind of dis- different expectations of Rory and Lorelai. This, this is our introduction to the fact that Rory is very ready to assume that her dad is here to stay she's super excited about him being there and Lorelai is the the exact thing that she says to Rory and I think it's pretty telling is he's gonna come and go as he pleases babe you know that and no amount of betting is gonna change it yeah we're also introduced to the idea that that the story is gonna be different in this episode than what we have been led to believe because they reveal that Christopher has never been to Stars Hollow before yes now how did that happen because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they talked about his visits. So did he visit his parents and then she went to to them? Or did she go out? I mean, how how has she seen him over the years? It must be that when he has visited, he's only gone to Hartford and Mm. Rory has just met him there. If it's usually at Christmas, maybe it's usually at the grandparents' house. But yeah, it it is wild that he has never been to Well, it can't be the grandparents' house because they say later on she's meeting his parents for the first time too. So there is, there is. Well, I meant, I meant the the Gilmore grandparents. Oh, it could be. Yeah, that could very well be. They love him, and his own parents don't really. So that could be what's going on. We'll get to that later on. I'm jumping ahead here, uh, but it is part of this scene, and and throughout this episode, there are questions about what they've been telling us up up until now and how things really are. Uh, but yeah, so he's never been to Stars Hollow before, which is weird. And also, I feel like to be honest, you don't really have to tell me much more about him as a parent if all you tell me is he's never been to the town that his daughter lives in. That kind kind of tells me all I need to know. I I pretty much off the bat don't like Christopher. And like, yes, he's very charming. And I do understand Rory is a teenager and she is full of that hope and that desire for her father to finally step up and really be the parent that he should be. But I am an adult and I'm a little bit older than Christopher. (sighs) (laughs) And I, I know what it's like to be 32. And if he has never been there before, it's because he didn't want to be there before. Uh, uh, and that sucks because she is his child and he should have stepped up way earlier than this. Even if it was
wasn't in the first four or five years of her life because they mm-hmm. were very young. Yeah. It, you know, if he needed to get through college, he needed to do some things, you would think, though, at some point he would have made an effort. So he's definitely not the mature, a mature person. Not a reliable person. Not a reliable person. He is charismatic, you're right. And that is part of his appeal to everybody, to Lorelai, to Rory. And, and the other part of the appeal for Rory, too, is that he is her father and everybody wants their parents to be together you know everybody wants a happy family because we see it in tv and movies and you know it's that's the ideal Mm -hmm. you know it that's what people keep telling us i've told us our whole life the ideal you know the what's the what's the expression the american dream is to have a family with a mom and dad a two-car garage so uh america has disappointed a lot of us including you including me you know we're children of divorce she and and she wants that she yeah. wants that happy life. And she does like being around him because he is mm. fun, fun and charismatic. Yeah. yeah. You know, she doesn't necessarily understand why they're not together. You know, yeah. she she knows sort of, but she doesn't necessarily understand the full history that has happened between no she doesn't and she doesn't want to either but the interesting thing is the next scene is we get to the baseball game she takes her dad to the baseball game because she wants him to meet dean which is fine and it's very it's actually very cool but the visual here or it's not actually a visual except you, you visualize it in your mind but both of the boys have a bike Yes. So Christopher has a big, uh, I guess it's a Harley, but it's an older one, an Indian. And Dean has a Suzuki. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still a bike. It's still a motorcycle. And, you know, and he's a teenager, so of course, he's, you know, he would have something like a Suzuki. But anyway, so they, they bond over that. And Rory is beaming because they're bonding. But it's also, I, I love motorcycles. And I hate to make a generalization, but they are associated with being somewhat immature and irresponsible. Yeah. There are a lot of older people who ride motorcycles but it's also a kind of a macho thing especially if it's a harley yeah for sure yeah it's 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 all macho signifiers i mean the boys are playing a sports game it starts with them Mm. kind of trashed it starts with luke and dean trash talking each other on it's not a court on the field and then kirk joins in on the trash talk from the stands saying that they both suck and so this game is going to be great it's going to be an historic lack of action which i thought that line was great but unfortunately the last thing that kirk says is like super homophobic so (laughs) that's not great so in this scene trash talking in a a friendly competitive game like this is kind of normal if it's between the two teams or even between their fans but kirk (laughs) is doing it on both of them and it's mean it's mean. He clearly doesn't quite get how it works. And also Mm-mm. he's he's just, he's the only one doing it. <laughs> he's, he's the only one doing it. He's not playing. He's not on the field. Yeah. He's not good enough to be on the field. Clearly Dean and Luke are both athletic types. They're out there because they enjoy the game. Kirk is making fun of them for that. That's yes. what he's doing. But it also felt a little bit to me like maybe Kirk is not quite up for actually joining in on the game, but he doesn't want to be totally left out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like it, it had that feeling of like the little brother coming to the game and wanting to be involved. But that is his entire, that's his entire story. In yeah, every episode absolutely. he's in, he wants to be a part of it, but he can't. He's but he just can't. not good enough. He's so just he makes too, fun he's of just it. too weird. <laughs> He's too weird in every single aspect of his life. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, all right. And then the next scene is pretty brief, but it starts with Lorelai walking in on Suki and Michelle laughing together. Oh my God. Michelle is laughing hysterically. Hysterically. And yeah. you don't, you never, we never find out why, but it doesn't matter because it's so out of character. Uh huh. And it ends immediately. <laughs> Ends immediately as soon as they Lorelai walks in, and I don't know, I can't remember what she asked them, but it may, it creates a contentious situation. She just says that it's like unusual for her to see that. She she, she says, "Oh, it's so nice to see you two laughing together. I never get to see that." I'm getting then, along. You never yeah. get to see you getting along. And then Michelle says something. Like, well, that's, well, that's because that's her fault. You know, that's her fault. Like yeah, that. yeah. And then it goes back and forth, and he leaves in a huff. Yes. So, very quick scene, but hilarious. <laughs> then we go to... It's the next scene with Christopher, because I have down that he's, yeah. he's also very quick with the witty comebacks. So he fits into this family really well. If, if you know, there were other good ways he could fit in or if he was willing to, to do the work. But, you know, intellectually and just his whole persona is a good fit for the two of them. He he has a good rapport with them. You see, yeah, the, the next scene is Rory basically takes him on a tour through Stars Hollow and they immediately meet Miss Patty who hits on Christopher, of course. And then as soon oh as they God. walk away. It, it was sickening. It yeah, was it, was, it was pretty gross. It was, it was, <laughs> it was pretty a gross. Much. I mean, it's like, she's usually more appealing. When she when she hits on a guy, she usually does it. But this is like, they made her look as bad as they could. It's bright sunlight. She looks yeah. terrible. Her voice is, is shrill. I mean, Miss Patty is usually smooth. I think that maybe she wasn't really hitting on him because the when they walk away, she like immediately pulls out her phone and calls somebody. So I almost wonder if... What's going on here is it's not a genuine attempt to hit on him. It's her trying to just like talk to him so that she can start the gossip chain. That could be, but it just seemed like flirting to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't love it. I, I didn't think it was, it was not a great Miss Patty moment. Usually Miss Patty is a lot more entertaining and charismatic than that. I mean, I, I think it definitely, it seemed like she was flirting with him, but then she just does that immediate about face and mm-hmm. starts calling somebody. Like as soon as they turn away, her facial expression totally changes and then she calls i guess taylor i am assuming she's calling taylor uh because he's the next one we see (laughs) he has to be because he's the next one we see and he knows and it's just a couple minutes later so yeah so see they walk into is it where do they see taylor uh so they walk past taylor's store and taylor i think addresses christopher by name or says something like oh you must be rory's dad before christopher has said anything to him yeah uh and then they keep going to the uh bookstore where jackson is hanging out and jackson does say hey christopher immediately so it is already spread all the way through town within like a couple of minutes let's explain that jackson is suki's boyfriend and her produce guy and taylor is the grocery store owner yes he he owns the grocery store and he's sort of Luke's sparring partner but yeah so they they go into the grocery store jackson there there's also or not the grocery store they go into the bookstore there's somebody else in the bookstore who i don't recognize i'm not sure if he's a recurring character or not but he appears to be the guy who runs the bookstore and he and oh yeah 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 i think we have seen him before because he looked familiar to me but i don't i don't think he has had a speaking role before i think this is first time speaking and so of course they have to compare him to clooney and pitt which one does he look like 
Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and Billy Crudup. He actually does look a little bit like Billy Crudup. He does a look better bit, looking yeah. than him, but and not not anything like Clooney or Pitt. I don't know. It was a weird. It was it was weird. He definitely he doesn't look anything like Brad Pitt. I can sort of see George Clooney just in that mm-hmm. they have similar coloring, basically. Yeah. Uh, which same with Billy Crudup. I could actually see him maybe being like exactly between George Clooney and Billy Crudup. You know, on the the scale of white men with dark hair. I <laughs> but even at this time, 20-something years ago, Clooney and Pitt were already middle-aged. And I think mm. Billy Crudup is younger. So it, that one made a little bit more sense. And, you know, he's 32 here. I don't know. It was just a weird scene. Yeah. Uh, but then the next scene, I, I, could, I could see it coming. He walks her through the store. He asks her what she wants. And, of course, oh, she yeah. wants the OED, which I have always wanted. But, you know, if you know anything about the Oxford English Dictionary, it is. It's it's a massive thing. And I think if you buy the, the regular size print one, it's like 32 books long. But um, <laughs> but this one is like two volumes, I think. And it comes with a magnifying glass. That's how small the print is. And even that is incredibly expensive. You know, I mean, we're talking hundreds of dollars. So they're in the bookstore and he says, anything you want, anything you want. So she says, well, you know, I have a lot of books, but but I really would like a copy of the OED. So he offers to get it for her. They walk up and, you know, as he's handing the guy his card, I'm thinking that card is not going to go through. It's going to get declined. I just have a feeling there's something about the way they present scenes in this show that just really foreshadows stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the show is aware that Lorelai is the one who's right about Christopher, right? Yeah. Oh, she absolutely is. You know, he's, he's making this big show about, like, being finally financially solvent and everything being different. But, of course, he immediately cannot follow through on his promise. Yeah, can't, and his card is declined, can't pay for the book. But, you know, when, when you talk about Lorelai, she has said since the beginning of the series that he is, she actually has not said this about him. She, when she's got into arguments with her parents, her response has always been, he would not have had the success he has if we had stayed together because yeah. he wouldn't have been able to go to college. He, you know, well, he would have worked in his dad's bank or he could have come to work for me or whatever. Well, that's not the life he wanted. It's, yeah. That's her argument. But now in this episode, she's concentrated more on he's a failure. And yeah. he has it. And, and that, you think at first that it's mostly has to do with his not being a part of their lives, mm. you know, promising to do it and then never following through. But as time, as the episode progresses, you kind of start to see that maybe she has had suspicions all along that his quote unquote success was not what he had made it out to be. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think she also just, you know, she didn't want to control his life. And he mm-hmm. has, like, lived a kind of jet-setting existence because, you know, they're, they're from Connecticut, but he lives in California now. It sounds like he's been to a lot of places. But, yeah, so he can't buy her the dictionary. Uh, and then they go to Luke's diner. Lorelai gets there first, and she and Luke have a, a brief exchange. You know, he, he mentions seeing some older guy with Rory, and she explains that that's Rory's father. And then they have kind of a funny exchange where she, she says, he's the guy who impregnated me with Rory. And Luke awkwardly says, oh, well, he did a good job. She says, <laughs> impregnating me with Rory? Best line in the show. And he says, well, this has taken a very weird turn and walks away. 
part of the reason that like that exchange is awkward is because he can't really say that Christopher has done a good job with anything because Christopher's not a good dad. He hasn't been around. Yeah. Oh, well, he also doesn't know him. Yeah. What did he do? He had, he was a sperm donor, but he but he hasn't really had much of a as far as we know as much yeah. of a, a part in her life. Yeah. As far as we have been told and seen so far, because this is episode fifteen, it's been like the bulk of a year and we haven't yet seen him but yeah so luke is trying to be nice but he doesn't really know this guy and nothing that he should know about him is particularly positive so yeah he just says good job impregnating you (laughs) but yeah then then christopher and rory walk in and christopher immediately gets a call on his cell phone and it's emily inviting them all to dinner and then for some reason also inviting Christopher's parents and you kind of know from the expression on Lorelai's face that this is probably not going to go well yeah I don't think we know much about Christopher's parents prior to this episode I I assumed at that point based on her reaction that she didn't want to have to deal with the past again so and that well that would be a natural way for her to feel so I did not see coming what came it was 10 times worse than anything i could have you know i i really didn't think this would ha- was gonna happen so yeah it, it gets pretty bad so yeah the pretty much the next scene is them going to the grandparents house uh, now stop here a second there's a timeline problem here and just just so listeners our regular listeners know that this is a a, a a thing of mine that they never get the days right. They never oh, yeah. get the timelines right. So I'm not sure what day he arrived, but when they were when he came when he was in the living room, uh, he had taken a shower, I guess, and unpacked. And they, you know, they, this is the opening scene. And he comes down, and they're talking about why don't we go somewhere tomorrow night? And it's and she says, well, I have to get my homework done because I like to get it done oh, by yeah. Saturday night, and and then, so that I can do extra credit on Sunday. Yeah, um, which is you know supposed to tell us how different she is from both of her parents but also is this thursday night is it friday morning is it friday afternoon well they, they even say that the the softball game is saturday morning right he gets the call and after the baseball game or the softball game and emily says come to dinner on friday she actually says that in the invitation so yeah. we need to assume that they wait that he's been there for seven days by the yeah. time they get we just skip a i whole don't week. think so yeah i, I, I think, think so. i don't think so i think I we think go back a, in time here yeah i think it's a timeline problem lorelei christopher and rory all go to the elder gilmore's house they are immediately served martinis which lorelei drinks her first martini in like a second well they're not they're not very big pours i mean and and actually the whole thing is ludicrous because he ends up getting he he's you know he's got a a shaker there and he's made the martinis in one shaker which is not very big it may be enough for two drinks and he somehow manages to pour six seven eight drinks out of this shaker so he must have given them each about an ounce and none of them have olives I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, so they they get their martinis, uh, and then there's kind of the the exchange before Christopher's parents show up is a, a little bit awkward, mainly because Richard and Emily are just like so happy, and you can tell that mm. uh, Lorelai's a little bit uncomfortable, and they're like remembering these things from 
Christopher and Lorelai's childhood that Lorelai didn't really consider important. Okay, so before you go any further, we back up to the to the beginning of this scene where Lorelai has a key. They have they have given her a key to the house, and so my instant my I wrote down why does Lorelai have a key? So and she they it comes up in the in their first conversation, and Emily says, "Well, how did you get in?" Well, Mom, you gave us a key. Well, you're not supposed to use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because in in you know wealthy families they have a maid or, or yeah. somebody who comes and opens the door so you ring the doorbell they let you in but she has let herself in with the key that Emily gave her so they they come in and then they get their martinis yeah and and then you're right that they are so so tickled pink that their conversation gets a little ludicrous and then we get to the Chuck Berry part so <laughs> <laughs> let, let me just say that you know Chuck Berry. We're, I'm from St. Louis. We're very proud of Chuck Berry. But when Richard says, I'm a Chuck Berry man myself, and I can't remember, they're talking about music at first. And maybe, oh, maybe uh, Lorelai and Christopher are going back and forth about music that they like. One, one of the grandparents insists, I think it's Emily, tells Rory that she got her musical talent from Christopher. And Lorelai mm. responds with, neither of these two have any musical talent. What are you talking about? And then Christopher claims that he can play a little guitar, but Lorelai says all he can play is the opening lick of Smoke on the Water. Uh, And then he he says he learned, like, another opening lick from a different song. I don't remember what it was. But then then Richard says that that he's into Chuck Berry. And Lorelai is astounded, and he says, well, why? And she says, I would have never guessed that sentence would come out of your mouth. But then... She says something, he says, well, you know, I like all of his music. Oh, I've, I've always been a fan. And she said something about the song My Dingling. He, yeah, he says, I, well, he was, he was popular when Richard was in high school. Yeah. And Lorelai says, was that before My Dingling? <laughs> and so my thought on this was shame on Lorelai for not knowing anything older than My Dingling, which was like maybe 1970, 71. I don't know that it necessarily means she doesn't know anything older than that. I think I th- it does. I think, I think she's, she's, I think does... she's, I know, I think she's saying that because she thinks that that song would have made Richard not like Chuck Berry anymore because it's very uh, inappropriate. No, well, I, I got a very different take on it. I just thought that that's the only song she knows he's done. And she might know that there are other songs, but she's a modern music person. That, so That was not my impression at all. My impression was she's surprised that Richard likes Chuck Berry because she sees Chuck Berry as kind of an uncouth rock star. And her best example of that this song, is yes. my and, and it's the worst thing he ever did. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, she couldn't say something like, wow, Dad, you like Johnny B. Good, huh? I mean, there's, you know, she's like critical of it. And to me, it's it's a wonderful, astounding, in a wonderful way that Richard is a fan of Chuck Berry because he's so stiff that you wouldn't think that yeah. he would have been a Chuck Berry fan. For sure. But I think there's a reason that she's critical of it, and it's that, do you think this is the first time that Lorelai has ever talked about music in front of her parents? She loves music. But this is the first time that Richard has ever actually positively engaged with that Mm. conversation, and it's because Christopher is there. They are treating Christopher differently from how they treat Lorelai, and Lorelai is astounded by this. She is, but you'd think she would have come up with something a little bit more original than bringing up 
my ding-a-ling. So, you know, she'd said, well, Dad, I had no idea. We've never discussed music. That would have been more to the point, I think. But that wouldn't have been as funny. Yeah, and I think it's one of the multiple times in this particular scene that people react emotionally to something instead of logically. I, I think the real thing that's happening here is that Richard is engaging positively with Christopher in a way that he never has with Lorelai, and it would be a lot more productive if Lorelai would point that out instead of mm. talking about my dingling. Yeah. But th- that also is kind of how the entire rest of this uh, scene is going to go as soon as well, Christopher's and, parents show up. And then before before they do, there's a lot of back and forth humor going on here. And Emily is kind of critical of that. And I, I put in capital letters in one of my notes, why does everyone in the older generation in this show hate humor? Yes, I had the exact same note. <laughs> yeah. Her parents absolutely hated that she's so funny. And yet, and, and it made me realize, no wonder Lorelai and Christopher found each other. Because they're both funny. They're, they're not, um, they don't take life as seriously as their parents do. Yeah. They have a little bit more irreverent approach to things. Yeah. No wonder they found each other. Yeah, my, so my note was slightly different, but it was after the other grandparents show up. Lorelai makes a joke. One of them says that they haven't seen Rory since before she was forming complete sentences. And Lorelai jokes, oh, at least two years then. And then they, they look at her like she's got horns growing out of her head. My note to that is, why are these people offended by the very concept of a joke? Yeah. It's the most inoffensive joke you could possibly make. Well, and the thing is, it's it's they keep coming, though. Lorelai, almost everything she says is a joke. Unless she's talking to Rory about something serious, almost everything she says in this show is a joke. So I can see that it might be a little irritating that that's how she reacts to everything. And, you know, and, and if her mother would laugh occasionally, it would make it a little bit more reasonable for her to say on occasion, can you ever be serious? Because she never is. Yeah. But yeah, um, so then Christopher's parents do show up. Their names are Straub and Francine. Straub and Francine. <laughs> Straub, I have no Straub. idea, Straub. Um, but as soon as they show up, they, they're they they're almost like the even worse versions of Richard and Emily. Like everything that comes out of their mouths is shitty rich person dialogue. One of the first things that they say is like Richard asks them, or Richard or Emily, I can't remember which one, asks Straub, how are the Bahamas? And his response is, you can get an entire island there for the cost of a decent house here. Which I was just like, what? how are you defining decent house? Are you defining yeah. decent house as like a mansion? Just that whole sentence just felt like, oh yeah, shitty rich person. <laughs> just casually talking about buying an entire island in the Bahamas. Yeah, but from the moment they walk in the door, these two people are looking down their nose at everybody in the room, including their granddaughter. Yes. And I mean, everybody, Richard and Emily are certainly on a par with them, probably above. I mean, you know, financially speaking, Straub is retired and he was a lawyer. So we don't have any inkling that they came from old money but both Richard and Emily do they are and they're welcoming these two people into their home excited to see them excited to introduce their shared granddaughter to them the granddaughter that Emily and Richard love very much and then Straub and Francine just shit all over them from the moment they walk in the door they are the most obnoxious people 
that we have seen in this show up until now. There have been quite a few obnoxious people in this show. So. Yeah, uh, Straub asks how old Rory is, and she says 16, and he responds with a dangerous age for a girl, which right off the bat tells you that he is absolutely the kind of person who thinks that sex is only the fault of women. And not uh, not sex, but pregnancy. I think a, a lot of times, in, in, in this in this scene especially, they're talking about pregnancy, so irresponsible sex. I'm not sure they're making that differentiation because the tone is slut-shaming. Yeah, but I think it's because they got caught. Because you know these people, all of these people had sex before they got married. I'm sure they did, but that but that doesn't mean that they're not hypocrites. That's true. They are hypocrites, yeah. But yeah, they it goes pretty poorly pretty much as soon as they show up and... After they ask about Rory's age, Richard starts talking about how smart Rory is and how she could probably take Straub for his money or something. And then they all stare at Rory like she should just start extemporaneously speaking. And showing (laughs) how smart she is. Showing how smart she is. Recite the alphabet here. (laughs) No one even asks her a question. There's no prompt. They're all just like, Rory's really smart. And then they stare at her. Well, and the thing is, Emily's the one who says that. And I'm waiting for her to follow up with. She's a student at Chilton. She never says that. That right there would have told the other grandparents what they needed to know. But instead, it's like she's tongue-tied. She's so effusive up to that point. They also, like, they don't, you know, mention anything that they've been talking about recently. It's just, it's very strange to me that they all just, like, stare at Rory, who has barely met these two people before. Like, she's just supposed to perform, and they don't think, oh, let's talk about this book that we were talking about last week. You know, like, Mm -hmm. no one gives her a topic. (laughs) So and then basically what happens right then is Lorelai kind of jumps in with her I hate President Bush comment. And where did that come from? I feel like she was panicking. I do think it was a little bit cartoonish, but I feel like she Mm -hmm. could feel the way that they had put Rory on the spot and she like panicked to get Rory off of the spot. But the way that she did it was obviously inflammatory. Like you don't have to ask these people what their feeling is on the conservative president. They're obviously pro him. They're so rich. There's no, there's no other option. Now that I'm thinking about it, if this is in March, 2001, he had just, been inaugurated so maybe that was on her mind i mean that's the only thing i can think of because there are a hundred things she could have said to change the subject and she chooses politics up until now we've never heard lorelei express a political opinion she's not a political person i mean you know she probably is because does come across in the way she criticizes social mores but she's never made a political an overtly political statement before and she starts off with, man, I really hate Bush. <laughs> it's like, really? This is this is where you're going? And of course, it just, it's, it, like you said, it's very, it's inflammatory. Yeah. And both of the other grandparents with ridiculous names get immediately offended. And that's kind of when Straub's... They might even agree with her. I mean, it, it, we don't know. No, he doesn't. But, but what I'm saying is that, that what makes him mad is that it's obvious to him that she's trying to piss him off. Or that's what he thinks. I mean, th- that might be part of it, but he also, like, 
straight up defends Bush. Like, he does respond with, uh, Bush is a successful businessman, and what are you? Well, before that, though, they, the grandmother, the other grandmother says, um, you can't speak that way. He's our president. Yeah, she she, she does, yeah. And and that's the thing, is, like, it's, it, it's not even just that I assume these people are conservative, but they're clearly the kind of people who uphold pre-existing power structures, Mm-hmm. And, and that's what her comment is kind of indicative of. They're they're yeah. they are not going to stand for this Blindly lowly, yeah. yeah, this lowly woman daring to say something negative about the most powerful person in the country. Because if mm-hmm. he's the most powerful, then he deserves to be the most powerful. That's mm-hmm. you know that's their underlying philosophy that everyone who is rich and successful deserves it, and therefore you cannot talk bad about them because you, Lorelai, are not a success. So she tells him that she is an she manages an inn and. And he, he turns that around, makes it sound like she's a maid in a hotel, which is what she was. But she's worked her way up. And she does, you know, explain that a little bit, but not much. And they, she just sits there and takes it while they attack her. And, you know, the hits just keep coming. And then Richard finally steps up, maybe not for the right reasons. Yeah. Although I think they were. I think he didn't know how to explain it later on, and we'll get to that in a minute. But he steps up, he yells at them, and he kicks them out of his house for talking to his daughter that way. Yeah, and so, yeah, they. I, I have mixed feelings about this scene. I, uh, again, I, I think it makes sense psychologically what's happening but i feel like it's another scene where no one quite gets the point because the thing that straub keeps saying is that it's lorelei's fault that christopher didn't go to princeton or didn't finish princeton whatever the the continuity knows but he's saying it is lorelei's fault that christopher didn't go to princeton like everybody else in his family and I'm sorry, but factually, there's no way that's possible. No, it takes two. They well, I mean, there, there's that, and and Richard Richard does make that point, and he is correct. It was a mutual decision. But he's been the father's been saying, "You lured my son. You 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 siren you." <laughs> And that, that's why I think it's more than about just the pregnancy. because it's, that, it's that's, sexist, yeah. That's slut-shamey talk. Yeah, yeah, it is. But also, it, it's not even just like, it. yes, it was both of their decision to have sex, but also they didn't get married and Christopher has not been involved in Rory's life. So the fact that Rory exists has nothing to do with the fact that Rich Christopher didn't go to Princeton. Lorelai made it so that he could. He absolutely could have gone to Princeton. It was his mm-hmm. choice alone not to go there because he was not saddled with a wife and baby if he if he did go and failed out that's on him too that's not her problem that's not her exactly because he was not at home with his wife and child instead they never got married he has never been involved in her life that's like kind of the whole thing that's happening in this episode yeah well and so. the, thing that, the thing that i don't like about this scene is the scene is that it lacks depth you know yeah. it's 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 like they're arguing their anger. They're not yeah, really arguing exactly. the points. You know, they, exactly. they're just, they're mad. You messed up. You didn't, It's not that she messed up, quote, unquote, she, quote, unquote, messed up Christopher's life. It, it's that their lives, Christopher's parents. Yes. Just like that, that you know, Richard and uh, Emily have been dealing with, their lives didn't turn out the way they thought they should. We should have had the successful son. He 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 didn't either didn't go to Princeton or fail. We don't know, but whatever happened, he went off to California. We don't even know if he finished college. And they might have some inkling that he's not been a success as much of a success as they wanted him to be. So all of this 
is just very surface level discussion because it's just their anger coming through. Nobody's actually talking about the elephant in the room, which is their granddaughter who is sitting there and listening to all of this and feeling smaller by the minute because she's got to be thinking, oh my God, I fucked up their lives. I'm the reason their lives are not the way they they saw them, although it's just her father because her mother's really happy. Her mother has a life she loves. It wasn't really a life that she envisioned, but she didn't really have a vision for her life. Yeah. She was kind of just always uh, come, you know, come as it may, but she's very happy. She's built a good life for her and her daughter, and Christopher has not. But I'm sitting there watching this scene and thinking, you guys are not really getting into the nitty-gritty here. And then, of course, it all blows up and they leave and we never do get into it the way we have with Richard and Emily over the course of six or seven months now where they have actually had discussions with their daughter, uh, some of which turned into crisis situations and major fights. They are gradually, very gradually, very slowly coming to understand that their understanding of the situation was not accurate and they are growing it's slow and painful especially for those of us watching it but they're getting there they are getting there and these other two people they're not even going to start they're not even interested in starting that journey so uh it's very surface level and it was bothersome it feels like everyone in the room is refusing to be honest about Christopher for some reason. Like it mm. feels like nobody wants to say something that might be, you know, that might denigrate Christopher in any way. But meanwhile, they're perfectly willing to outright yep. insult Lorelai to her face. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's not just his parents, it's her parents too. Exactly. And they don't they don't insult their daughter, but they don't take up the charge of defending her until their own honor has been attacked. And even then it's, you know, how dare you besmirch our family name? He says, you cannot talk about my daughter that way. And I was very proud of Richard in that moment. He, you know, he did say, you cannot talk about my daughter that way. Get out. Yeah. But you're right. Up until that point, it was all about Christopher. The whole scene, the whole thing. Was about Christopher. It's about Christopher, but none of them are willing to say the truth about him, which is that mm-hmm. it was his choice not to go to Princeton. It was in no way Lorelai's fault. Yeah. No way. There is no she way away that you can him. spin that. She exactly. took that. Yeah, she took that baby and walked away. She ran away. She ran away. And, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and it it bugs me too because then in the in the like scene that we get between Christopher and Lorelai. Lorelai also seems convinced that he would have finished Princeton if it weren't for Rory. And I'm just like, how? What? Mm-mm. How? He did not help you to raise her no. at all. Just the fact that he had a baby out there somehow made him mentally incapable of going no. to Princeton. And and the thing is, the truth of the matter is, it's probably his parents that oh, ruined yeah. him. That he, they're, his parents... Most likely, you could just see by the way they're presented in the show, you know, the the writing, the acting, the whole thing. These are awful people. And yeah, they, they raised him, and he has turned into a fairly decent human being. Not a good father, not a good boyfriend, but he seems like a pretty decent, upstanding person, despite his parents. And so the other elephant in the room is how awful this family is. And again, how Christopher and Lorelai, no wonder they found each other. Because mm-hmm. they both came from these families that 
just were pretty awful. Although Richard and Emily are not as bad as the as yeah for whatever sure. his for name sure. is. Yeah, and, and I feel like that is kind of a recurring theme is like oftentimes when we meet someone else from Richard and Emily's world, we see that those two are not actually as bad compared mm-hmm. to anyone else from They really from they their really world. are and 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 we have to put that squarely on Emily's shoulders because she is a a moral character in this yeah, show. Is. And Richard is influenced by her her moral approach to things, but he, he has to be kind of dragged screaming and kicking to get there he does get he does get there yeah but yeah. he but it's her she's the moral influence on him all right so just a little bit of trivia and then we can go back to talking about what's important the woman playing francine the the bad grandmother i think she must always get typecast as like shitty rich parent because i just finished a rewatch of friends and there's an episode where, you know, Phoebe in the last season, spoilers for friends, gets married to Paul Rudd. I, I mean, not, you know, literal Paul Rudd, but Paul Rudd plays her final yeah. love interest and he comes from a rich family and there was an episode where she goes to meet his parents and they're terrible and his mom is played by the same woman who plays Francine. So that's just her role in life. I think she's had, there is something else too. It seems like she was in, was she in Heroes? Yes, she's in Heroes. She plays- yeah. Same same character basically another same rich character mom except that she is a little bit more multidimensional. Yeah, it's than, a bigger role. She, yeah, but she's definitely that's what I know her from. She's she's a character actress who gets a lot of regular roles at least yeah. until recently. I haven't seen her in a long time. But and the guy, uh, the man who the actor who's playing um, the grandfather, he's also a very familiar face. He's, I don't know yeah. what his name is, but he's been a character actor. They use a lot of character actors in this show. They show up yeah. periodically. You think, oh, that guy looks so familiar. Yeah, well, you see him in a hundred things. So, yeah. Yeah. So they're both very familiar actors. Anyway, but yeah, that's just a little bit of trivia. Uh, but then the next scene is Lorelai goes to thank Richard for defending her, and he kind of gets mad at her in response, which I think is partly because this whole conversation has stirred up all of you know, his still unresolved feelings from when she first got pregnant. But, you know, I'll be honest, I, I, I kind of feel like Richard lost some points he from did. me in this scene. He absolutely did. I My my previous bullet in my notes was suddenly I love Richard. <laughs> he, he loves he loves his daughter. He's defending her. But then he fails me. But then he and fails, yep. he, he, he should have told her. He Again, Richard is very self-absorbed. So he is in the in the moment. This is all about him. For him, it's all about him. What you did to me, my reputation, the reputation of our name, our family. Our family. But what he should have realized if he'd taken... He's not a very um, self-aware guy. So if he had had any any introspection whatsoever he would have realized that what was really at stake here was that he loves his daughter and somebody was calling her a slut yes and he didn't take to that he could call her a slut he probably <laughs> never would but he, yeah. he could do that but he somebody would just else imply can. it he might imply it yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would never yeah but but that but that's his daughter but he doesn't understand what he's feeling yeah. And it's very disappointing to Lorelai, and it's disappointing to all of us that he can't see it. It is. We do also finally get a little bit more of a picture of what Lorelai was like as a student, because he mentions that part of his humiliation mm-hmm. was that she was the brightest in her class. 
She and was. And then he had to tell everyone was. that she was pregnant. Yeah. 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 It's not a surprise, but I think this is the first confirmation that we've gotten. Because, you know, whenever mm-hmm. we talk about Lorelai in her business class, she seems really unsure of herself. Well, it's been a long time. It has it's been It's been 16 time, yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. So we, we finally get confirmation that whatever school she was going to, whether it was Chilton or somewhere else, she was doing well there before Top of her she class. She was the top yeah. of her class, yeah. Um, but yeah, but then kind of in direct contrast to this scene, we then get Rory and Emily in the kitchen. And I think this is one of Emily's best moments so far. She comes in there and, you know, it's when she when the scene starts and she's defending Straub, you're kind of like, oh no, where is this going? But then she gives up the ghost and says, he's an ass. And and more importantly, she you know looks Rory in the eye and tells her, I need you to know that that was not your fault. That was not about you. Yeah, she tells her, you are not a disappointment. You cannot listen to what these awful people have said. And em- Emily, as I said, I, I, I think Emily is uh, in some ways the moral voice of the show because it may sometimes it may take her a while to, to get it or to see it. it. Sometimes it's a stretch for her, but she always realizes what the most important thing is in terms in terms of what's right, how she feels about people. She is the moral center of the show, and that's why we love her, because, you yeah. know, she's the third Grimoire girl. But, um, but yeah, so I, she... I think it's because she, she's the character who improves the most positively and the mm-hmm. most of her own volition. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the one who, like, between her and Richard, you know, Richard is charmed by Rory, but she's the one who wants to fix her relationship with Lorelai. It's mm-hmm. just that she keeps getting in her own way, but she does yeah. want that. And she, she does. does, on some level, know that it's her fault, and and is she's much more willing to take responsibility for that than Richard is. Yeah. Emma's a very strong woman, very strong personality. She has been raised to have high expectations for herself so she has them for other people it's a real shame she didn't have a career because she would have been such a success she is a success at everything she touches she's smart she's capable she's strong uh she's insightful yeah i mean she's the one who saw five episodes she's funny she's funny um (laughs) she's the one who saw five episodes ago that that luke is very interested in her daughter yes so she's she She's observant. She yes. just is very capable, strong, magnetic, smart woman, just as smart as her daughter is, maybe smarter. Out of the four parental figures for Rory in this scene, she's the only one who realized Rory is the one who needs to be taken care of after this. Yes, she goes right to the kitchen and does that. Absolutely. And again, the moral voice. She gets it. She knows who has been hurt here or potentially hurt. And I yeah. don't think Rory actually is. I think she's confused. Yes. But but I think Emily catches her at the right moment before it goes too far yeah. and sets her straight and says, this is not about you. Yeah. Although I will say there is a small continuity error in this scene as well in that all of a sudden, Emily understands how leftovers work. Well, maybe her granddaughter has taught her. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm sitting there thinking, except for she doesn't warm anything up, so they no. either don't own a microwave or she doesn't know how to work it. So yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she gives her cold 
um, asparagus and roast yes. beef, from what I can tell, and it's cold. Can you imagine? I, it's yeah. just, uh, but at least she does know gnarly. how to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and at, at least they, at least they're keeping leftovers now because it feels like in that other episode where they had no leftovers. I'm just like, but you guys have lavish meals made for you all the time. What mm-hmm. is happening to the food waste because you don't eat all of it? Well, and maybe, maybe that, maybe in that episode they realized that the help was taking it home, and maybe they should warm it up and have it for lunch the next day so i don't know but yeah i noticed that too and it's tough it's not tupperware it's the disposable plastic stuff and she knows yeah. exactly what you do she takes it out she takes the lid off i just thought this is a competent woman she has learned like that how to, how to make use of leftovers <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, I think from a from a creative standpoint, I think part of what's happening is that her getting the food is an echo of the whole, like, she's doing a motherly thing here, right? She's taking care of Rory emotionally, and she's also taking care of her in terms of food. Yeah, because so she's hungry. Of, she's probably, that's yes. why she's in the kitchen. She's hungry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then we get the scene between Lorelai and Christopher. Uh, where they have this exchange uh, and yeah I, I hate this scene I hate that Lorelai thinks it's her fault that he didn't finish Princeton I just uh Lorelai how could that have been your fault the lore of sex with you somehow ruined his ability to finish Princeton the the knowledge that he had a baby that he wasn't taking care of kept him from f- finishing Princeton seriously someone explain to me what the logic is here okay so what's <laughs> happening in this scene is that Lorelai has climbed out onto a balcony that is a balcony in in name only because yeah. they're climbing through a window to get to it yeah it's, it's that there's no door and this is not the first time they've done it. So um, she's out there. He knows exactly where she is because they spent a lot of time together when they were younger, when they were kids. And it is where Rory was conceived. Was conceived. It kind of seems like maybe this was the main place that they ever had sex. Must have been. But you know yeah. what? It's a concrete balcony. Really? Yeah. So. <laughs> also, how, like, And it's how public. Fast, it's the, yeah. the lights on. It's like, it looks like there's a hallway. It's, it's not outside. even off of a bedroom yeah. or anything. It's like a hallway. It's like nobody's walking by while this yeah. is happening. So, of course, they have sex again. We, yeah, so let's they, let's they repeat have sex the again, mistake. <laughs> which also, like, uh, which, yeah, first of all, is Lorelai on birth control? Because she's 32. My first question. She, she my first still be, question. Yeah. Um, but second, how fast was the sex that they had because that they're like no one comes looking for them i almost thought how they setting this up so she gets pregnant again it just seemed like useless and stupid scene i mean first it this is and, and i will confess that this is the episode for me that has made me had me jump the shark of the show so it's like the writers have run out of ideas so instead of having them instead of her turning to him on that balcony and saying i did not ruin your life you have ruined your life yeah and then walking away and and saying or or even saying to him if you want your daughter in your life you're going to have to work at it just the way i did yeah and i'm not going to make excuses for you she could have said all of those things but instead she's you know oh i'm you know i think i ruined your life and then i'm going to fuck you again so i mean it's ridiculous it's absolutely out of character for her too yes totally out of character yeah it's very frustrating to watch this woman who is otherwise 
very smart and capable and feminist, Mm -hmm. take responsibility for something that is not her fault and also kind of let, I mean, like, okay, to his credit, Christopher clearly understands that it's not her fault, but Mm -hmm. not to his credit. And I, you know, I I know I'm skipping around here, but this scene is kind of directly followed by the scene where they talk about it and Christopher makes his pitch. He he asks her to marry him by the yeah. end of the episode. Yeah. Um and that I'm I'm kind of going to talk about the two scenes. It's important at, to mention at the same here time. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. So he he asks her to marry him and I I do think it's correct that she says no, but again it feels like a scene where everyone's sort of missing the point and it's really frustrating to yeah. not have her get it because she should she's she's the person who should the problem is not whether or not he's the right person for her the problem is that he's still going about this the wrong way they sleep together once and it's very clear when they do sleep together i think what's happening is that basically she has been kind of reverted to her 16 year old self she yeah. just experienced what she used she's to experience all the time. She's feeling vulnerable, I think. She, yeah. And, yeah. And, it's, it, it, and they are re-experiencing the thing that bonded them when they were teenagers. Their parents. Being, yeah, being stuck with their terrible parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, it makes, like, I think it does make sense a little bit it psychologically does, yeah. for her to turn to him in that way. It's just frustrating that she is also insistent on taking responsibility for his failures. And it's also frustrating that no one says to him, hey, you can't just show up out of nowhere and make a big sweeping romantic gesture and expect me to believe that that means you've grown. If you've really grown and you really want to step up to the plate, then what you should do is move close to Rory, get a steady job, and make it your mission to become a part of Rory's life. Because that's what Lorelai wants from him. She doesn't want a sweeping romantic gesture. She wants him to stand up and actually be a father to Rory, which he, well, he's, he's been a father. He hasn't been a dad. Is is how you might you might. Put she wants it. him to, to provide some stability, yes. not just to Rory, but to her, and to yes. be there when she needs him. And yes. and I think that the one of the things that's going that I questioned in the scene was this is the way a lot of women act with men. We have been conditioned, maybe not your generation, but previous generations, including mine, have been conditioned to think that if there's a problem in the relationship, it's our fault. If there's a problem with the man, it's our fault. I must have done something. Now, I never felt that way because I had a mother who taught me differently. But not every woman does, and especially younger women. She is 32. She's young. So she has not, and she hasn't had anybody to really, she's had to figure things out for herself. She's had to teach herself. She's had to learn through doing, through making mistakes. She hasn't had anybody to sit down with her and say to her, you don't need a man. Yeah. And if you do have a man in your life, he is responsible for himself. Exactly. You are not responsible for his mistakes or his successes. You know, this this whole, we can do to turn it around. You know, this whole, every behind every great man is a, is a woman. Well, that's bullshit. So, well, you know. I, I I mean, will, that's usually bullshit unless we are literally talking about, like, a man who has a family and a successful career. Well, yes, yes, and yes, only yes. has that because yes. his wife gave up her life to but, be his family. Well, well what's the problem with that? Is that. The woman should have been the one with the career. But yeah, so a lot of times women have have stepped back 
and played second fiddle. And that's the problem with that. And she's doing it here. She's playing second fiddle. She is saying she has taken on responsibility for all his mistakes in the 16 years that they have not been together. I'm sorry. 16 yeah. years? Really? He hasn't grown up? And look what you've done. She sees <laughs> him maybe once a year, but somehow it's her fault that he's not more yes, successful. Right. What? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's and ridiculous. It's, and it's out of character for her. Yeah. Now, like I was saying, you couldn't make the case that she had that if Suki were there, or if her mother were there. Uh, actually, if her mother were here in this exchange, I got a feeling that Emily would correct her, and would say, "No, it's it's not your fault that this man has made nothing of himself." I don't know if she ever gets a chance to do that, but I would bet you anything if Emily were in that scene, she would have said that to her. So there's nobody there in the moment to coach her, and she is still pretty young. That's the only way I can make this scene work in my mind because it seems so out of character for her. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, I did jump past this, but in the scene between Richard and Lorelai, he does make it clear that, like, his big problem is still just that she and Christopher did not get married. That's... Yeah. Because he, he he outright tells her that he doesn't actually love Christopher as much as he acts like he does. It's just that he wanted them to get married. And I think, doesn't she say in response to that, it never would have worked out? I think she can she can visualize it and see that if they had gotten married that young, they would they would have been divorced in a few years. Yeah, I mean, she has said that before. I don't remember she said it in that scene. But she does ask her father, like, did it occur to you that I didn't want that? Did what I want not matter at all? And he basically says no. He does. He doesn't think that what she wanted mattered. That you're just supposed to do what you're supposed to do. And to be fair, when in the episode where he uh, had his heart attack, she did say to Luke that you know he always did what was expected of him. So it is in keeping with his life philosophy that you do what's expected of you. And in that moment. He expected Lorelai to get married, and she didn't. And to the actor's credit, Edward Herman, he he does a marvelous job in this scene. He does. He looks devastated. His hair is out of place. You know, he's kind of halfway turned to her when they're having this conversation. He's also kind of halfway looking down. And you can see that he is still working through everything that just happened. Yeah. And while he's he's saying these things, it's almost like he's giving lip service. Because I think he has to know at this point that he, you know, he knows he, he loves his daughter. He, I think he's beginning to be really proud of her. He's, he's beginning to see what she has done in the last 16 years of raising this child on her own with no help and where that child is at this point in life. All of that is, is in the, I think, is in his mind. It's just not at the forefront. He's just devastated by what happened. This may be the, the point where he and Emily have to give up their romantic notion that um, Lorelai and Christopher should have gotten married or will eventually get together. So he's having to give that idea up and, you know, because he realizes that he, I don't think they know yet that Christopher is a failure. I don't think, I don't know. They they don't, they don't know, but just the, the, the other parents being so nasty. I think he, he's working through that. He doesn't know how to, maybe he sees a little bit of himself reflected in them and is wondering, am I that bad? I mean, all of this is in his face. That actor is amazing. And because he's he's giving lip service to, to saying the same old stuff he's always said to her, but you can see in his face that he's not sure that it's true. 
that's good acting. <laughs> that's a, yeah. I, almost the best part of this this episode was was the how he the actor handled that scene. But yeah, it just feels like I don't know. You know the the thing with Christopher. I'm not sure that this is what's happening, but it feels like at the time culturally there was this sort of idea that all a man had to do was this vague concept of stepping up and in Christopher it feels like we're all waiting for him to become a super successful businessman and I'm just like that's not what he needs to do to step up all he needs to do is become a more consistent presence in Rory's life maybe he doesn't want to have a a kind of steady job that would keep him at least in Hartford I get that and if he didn't have a child then I would say yeah he should just do whatever the heck he wants but if what he wants is to be with Lorelai then what he needs to do is take any kind of job that will be steady and will keep him nearby and be more consistent in Rory's life. Show Mm -hmm. up for her stuff. He needs to grow up and constantly dreaming and going into new ventures where you never, where you're constantly strategizing and planning and spending other people's money on the investment, but never really building anything yourself. That is the height of immaturity. And actually it was indicative of the whole, that whole era when, you know, uh, startup companies and, and, and what tech world was, you know, the, the boom economy and all that, that was, he was, he's a very, he's representative of that whole era of venture capitalists, you know? Yeah. But, but before we go any further, they had a couple of great lines on the balcony before they had great sex. Um, <laughs> she said they, he points out to her that, that this is where Rory came into being. And she said, we should commemorate it with an oil painting or a severed head or something. And then apparently what they, how they, got started on the balconies, they would borrow her dad's telescope yeah. and scan the skies for alien ships until yeah. they started looking in other people's windows at naked people. So yes. again, the whole thing is just hilarious, and then they have sex. So, And apparently underalls were a kind... that They talk about Mrs. Dominsky's underalls, and apparently <laughs> un- underalls were a kind of underwear made for women that were a combination underwear and pantyhose, supposedly in order to prevent panty lines. I looked it up. Okay. I, I thought it was a disposable underwear, so I, I didn't get That's that That's what I all. thought too, but uh, <laughs> I looked it up and apparently it was combo panties and pantyhose. Okay then. Uh, But yeah, so that's that's that scene. And the other thing that's happening here that we haven't mentioned is that Lorelai was supposed to go and help Luke paint. Which we didn't really know. I mean, that was in the last episode. Yeah, they did talk about it in the last episode, but this is where we get into the like weird timeline thing where like it should be Saturday and I think she was supposed to help him Friday. See, I've given up trying to keep it all straight, but she realizes, I, I don't know, was it? It was early the next morning. She's laying in bed yes. in her pajamas and she realizes, oh man, I was supposed to I help him paint. Off. And I assume it means she was supposed to help him paint after the grandparents' dinner on Friday yes. night. They were going to do it overnight. Okay, so she never, she apologizes to him profusely, but what she doesn't explain is that grandparents' night, what there was a blow up and it what really, she doesn't explain to him what happened. She just, you know, it's like she's trying to intimate somehow that Christopher is at fault and that, you know, that he meet that he's now an important part of her life and she can't find a way to explain what actually happened. 
it, it is frustrating. It's yet another scene where people are not saying the, the real the most obvious thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I do think it's because the show is basically positioning Christopher as like the real obstacle between Luke and Lorelai getting together. Uh, and in a way, I think that does make sense. I actually had a note earlier uh, when Lorelai is talking to Suki. She's talking about how she always gets wrapped up in Christopher whenever he returns. And I thought then, I wonder if that is kind of the real reason that she has never gotten serious with anybody mm. else. Because a part of her is maybe a little bit still in love with him. And they do clearly have this connection. He she says, just, I love him. Yeah. She says at one point, I do love him. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just, you know, he's not a good dad and she needs someone who's going to be a good dad, which mm-hmm. we know Luke would be because yeah. Luke is super steady and is yeah. super reliable, uh, and will literally show up at her house in the middle of the night if she needs him to. Well, and one more point about the, the final scene at the grandparents, when they're driving home in the home, in the Jeep, what's happening in that scene? It's her Jeep and Christopher is driving. Oh, I didn't even notice. I think I was taking oh, my yeah. notes and didn't even notice. But yeah, you're you're right. Why? I don't know. <laughs> she did have at least two martinis. So maybe he drank less. Tiny, tiny, tiny martinis. martinis. And yeah. since those martinis, they have had sex on a balcony. So, hey, there you go. That's a great drink name, sex on a balcony. Anyway, um... <laughs> Um, no, you're you're right, and it's sexism. The answer is sexism. Women aren't allowed to drive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but she does apologize to Luke, and then is after that is when we get the scene where she and Christopher talk about their relationship, and it just. I don't know. This was the scene that cemented for me that I don't like Christopher. Um, because yeah, I don't, I don't he, like him either. He he goes about like his whole speech to her, proposing to her. It's very selfish. He he's basically like, "Well, I haven't found a woman that I like as much as you, so now it's time for me to marry you." It's another scheme, too. Does it strike you as it's another scheme? It's like he's had these schemes, these get rich schemes in in California. They're not working out for him, and he comes back here. And if he can just, he thinks it's a, if he can just get her back into his life, she'll be his good luck charm. It's a scheme. Yeah, it's a, she'll to fix me, his life. Yeah, she'll fix his life. It's it's very selfish. Everything that he says makes it clear that he does not know what it takes to be a father and has not actually figured adults. out that, that that is what is keeping them apart. It's not like whether or not he's successful in business. It's the fact that he has never stepped up as a dad. And Lorelai cannot do that to Rory. I think Lorelai's big fear is that she would marry him and then he would just take off again. Because yeah. what what would technical marriage change? They already have a child together and he can't sit still for 10 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So what would getting married change? Child he, is bigger than marriage. He needs to become an adult first. Yes. He needs to show he needs that to he can up. handle. Yeah. He needs to grow up. But then, okay, then basically one of the last things that happens in the episode is Lorelai essentially sneaks into Luke's diner overnight and paints it all herself, which as someone who has actually painted multiple rooms, that must have taken her all night. Oh yeah, she hasn't gotten any <laughs> sleep. But there's, there's, we've, going moving back to the, the conversation with Christopher, she, they talk about, I, I don't remember how this came up, but she says to her, she says to him, you have decades left to spawn. So how does that, can you set that up? I don't uh, remember. He, he, he said, oh, it was a, yet another selfish thing he says, where he says, Rory might be the only child I ever have, as if that's a good reason for them to get married. Yes. Okay. 
So she's, she responds to him, you have decades left to spawn. So my alternate title for this episode is Decades Left to Spawn. Decades Left to Spawn, that's um, good, I just, yeah. yeah. I've got that in there. But anyway, getting back to the paint job, it is a great paint job. The colors are good. They actually go, they didn't go with the orange that we were saying was yeah. not a good choice. The the shelving units and everything were kind of a, a dark gray to contrast yeah, with a, the blue, the teal. purplish gray? Purplish yeah. gray, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and, and then and teal. It's a really yeah. good color combination. So, yeah, it looks um, way better than what she was talking about. <laughs> he's very appreciative of it, but, and I can't, we can probably talk about the conversation a little bit too, but isn't there supposed to be a sign over the diner that calls it Luke's Diner when they, when the camera shows it and yeah. it's pulling back, it's William's Hardware. So first of all, Luke's last name must be Williams because his father owned the hardware store and presumably that's his dad's last name so it's luke williams i don't think we ever get his last name until except in that that shot and it could be that the diner sign is down that she that's being painted because they're doing the inside but we have never seen that that sign before that you know even though he's talked about how he wanted to keep the place just like his dad's hardware store even though now it's serving a different purpose it's a it's a diner i'm still certain we have never seen that the outside sign before that says williams hardware yeah i'm not sure i know there there are things about the diner that show that it used to be a hardware store but i'm not sure about the sign specifically Mm -hmm. and it could be that the the luke's diner sign is only in the window and that we've just never had the camera pad up high enough to see that i don't know but that was a whole new thing and it was very interesting because it's showing it's establishing in that shot that that luke has some stability in this community his father was a member of this community he's been there a long time he he didn't flake out you know he has been there he's sturdy he's stable and that's certainly set, setting up the difference, the dichotomy, I guess, between him and Christopher yeah. for the showdown that's coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I still don't like Christopher. And also, again, when when she says you have decades left to spawn, it is a good line. But again, it's like I feel like the the actual response there should be. So I should marry you so that you can cement your legacy and it has nothing to do with an equal partnership or you wanting to actually be a father. It's just about you being worried that you're not going to find a girl who makes you happy and you're not going to have other kids. It's all about you. Yeah, she's not at her best in this episode. And, and that could be because Christopher throws her off. I'm not sure. Yeah. He's not at, maybe he is at his best. We don't know because the first time we've been introduced to, to him as an in-person character, he's just been a name up until now. and But she is not at her best. So I have to assume that his presence throws her off. She has made her life what she wanted. What She's made a pretty good life. I don't know, like I said earlier, I don't know if it's what she's always wanted, but but it's a good life, and he's throwing a wrench into it. And every time he comes back, he's going to do that. So I would also point out here that the actor who plays Christopher has, has worked in a lot of different TV shows, but he was for a full season in private practice, which was on about probably not too long. I am probably 10 or 15 years ago. Pretty sure he also played a one-off love interest for one of the women in Friends. So I think you told me that. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's had a lot of character character roles over the years. Yeah. But anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about before we summarize? I don't think so. I, th- I think we've pretty much covered anything. So yeah, final thoughts. Well, it, it, so it ends with him with the 
Luke and Lorelai in the diner after it's been painted, reconnecting because there was a little bit of awkwardness when she showed up in her pajamas, having not shown up the night before to paint. She's made up for that. He really appreciates it. He sees her. Christopher doesn't really see her. In fact, I don't remember a single moment in this episode where Christopher says anything about her and her life, what she's done with herself, the house they live in, her friends, nothing. It's all about Christopher. In fact, that the episode is titled Christopher Christopher Returns. Returns. Yeah, it's all about Christopher. And Luke, on the other hand, gets her. He sees her. He knows knows who she is. Uh, He appreciates her. And that scene was just, it was really good positive end to to the episode. Between the two of them, Luke is the one who is concerned with Lorelai's happiness. You know, yeah. like, he, he has been jealous of a couple of guys, but he's very quick to step aside if it yep. seems like she's going to be happy with someone else. Yeah, he doesn't want to interfere with what she wants for herself, which is a very feminist approach. He he trusts her. He trusts her. Trusts her judgment. I mean, yeah, he makes fun of her <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah He sure. tells her she drinks too much coffee. And she doesn't eat healthy. And <laughs> there's a lot which of other stuff. he is correct about. Which he's correct about. But he, he trusts her to make the right decision for herself. And he sees, he sees how she takes care of her daughter. He respects her. And I don't know that Christopher does. No. He doesn't see her. How can you respect somebody that you cannot really see and understand? And that's, that's kind of that's sad for Christopher. But uh, who will be back. At some yes. point in the future, we don't know yet when. It's been a it's been a long time since I I watched the the whole series, but related to that, I am not enjoying this anymore. Um, and we were talking just a little bit before we started recording that I I feel like I've jumped the shark on on the show. And then you pointed out your response was, "Do you remember what you said?" Because I wrote it down. Yeah, I I mean I just I think that the show works better when you're just kind of, you know, inhaling it like popcorn mm. and not trying to slow down and critically analyze it. You said scrutinize. Easier to watch yes. when you're not scrutinizing it. Yeah. E- easier to watch. Yeah, easier yeah, the, I think the show is most fun when you can just kind of sit back and let the funny dialogue kind of mm-hmm. overtake you um because you know something that you mentioned is that it does feel like a couple of these episodes are filler and you know, television at the time had uh 21 to 26 episodes a season and that mm-hmm. is a lot of show that you have to produce yeah yeah and you know and especially a show that like this one this kind of like slice of life there's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a ton of easy plot developments to go for so you know you do end up having a lot of episodes that kind of aren't about very much at all like the last one that we watched that damn donna reed uh where kind of nothing happened (laughs) and in shows i mean i don't have any statistics on this but i wonder if tv shows are shorter today, not just in the number of episodes, but in the, num- in the number of seasons. So this was at a time when Friends was on the air, and a lot of these uh, famous comedies of the 1990s and early 2000s were long-running. And by that, I mean five, six, seven years. This one was eight years, I think, right? <clears throat> I think this one was seven years, but Friends mm. went on for ten years. Ten Friends years. Friends was a full decade. Cheers yeah. was on. That was early, earlier uh, in, in, I think, in the 80s. But Cheers was on for a long time. So there's a long history of TV shows. MASH <laughs> probably set yeah. the standard. But they going on for way too long. Way too long. They run out of storylines. Of course, if you have a war 
a show set against a war, you might not have lack for stories because it's always going to be a human drama. But when you're talking about just a comedy where the central conflict is generational and having a baby out of wedlock and, you know, and, and the things that are going on here, that is a little limiting. And to, yeah. to go on for seven or eight epi- or years, it's a lot of content to develop. And some of it isn't very good. Yeah, and there's definitely, you know, I knew that the show was going to be fat phobic. I did remember that, but it's mm-hmm. more fat phobic than I remembered. It's more homophobic than I remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's definitely more sexist than yeah, I remember. Yeah, wow, really. Yeah. <laughs> Stereotypically. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do think it still has a lot of good things to say about sexism, but it's very, it's got a very of its time feminism and I feel like this episode is maybe one of those examples where, like, most of the time, Lorelai is a really feminist character. But then a man shows up, and all of a sudden, her personality goes out the window, and she can no longer defend herself. She collapses, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's this strong, capable woman who's smart and witty, and all of a sudden, Christopher shows up, and she can't do anything but tell him that his, his failure in life is all her fault. That's, that's a very disappointing scene. I think you're right. The whole episode is disappointing. We have, this was episode 15. We have six more episodes in this season. We have decided we are committed to getting this done. We're going <laughs> to get it done pretty quickly. But I think that the one of the things we're going to do, we might do this for Patreon instead of for the regular podcast, is throw a couple movies in here. And we've been talking about doing a podcast on uh, The Woman King, which would be a stark contrast to this show um it's it's a you know it's about a a strong woman and a lot of strong women actually literally physically and you know in every other way strong but it's it was it was made in 2022 instead of 2001 and a lot has changed in the last 21 22 years in terms of how women are depicted in film and on television. And For sure. yeah. that is a very interesting conversation to me. So I think, and it's wonderful. I think that's, a, that's what we will do in two weeks. And we haven't decided yet if it'll be part of this podcast or part of the Patreon. Yeah, it'll probably be released much later than the epi- than this episode will be released. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but we'll be recording it soon. And probably after this season is over uh, after this season of Gilmore Girls is over we'll probably be pivoting to more movies in general mm-hmm. yeah so that's all I have yeah that's all I've got okay so that dear that dear listeners is all for today I'm Tessa Dare you can find me at my website tessadare.com that's t-e-s-s-a-d-a-i-r dot com where you can sign up for my email list, or you can follow me on Instagram at author.test.adare or on TikTok at author.test.adare. And if you want to support us on Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash where you lead. And I'm Beth Von Baron. You can follow me on Instagram at STL underscore writer underscore Beth, or sign up for my weekly Substack email, Saturday Morning Musings at STLWriterBeth. Substack.com. This has been Where You Lead, our fun and usually witty podcast um, about the Gilmore Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll tune in for our next episode in two weeks. See you then.